Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hi, this is Allison Arngram. You know me as Evil Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie. And I'm talking to you now with Jim and Florence on the forum. Hi, everyone. Back from hiatus from uh, Florence and I spending uh, a little bit of vacay time together and having uh, a fun time outside of the podcast world and the social media world. We are back, though, just like Arnold, and but in a nice way. And I'm so happy for all of the, the great things that you guys have said about us. You guys have kept us out there. And to the millions of people that support us online, it, it just, I, I still am a little amazed. And to all the celebrities, thank you so much for your kindness that you've shown us. And we definitely respect that. And we hope to get to have a year next year that is unlike any other with so much success. So. Without further ado, Florence, how are you? I hope the day went good today. We've got one heck of a guest today, someone that I've been studying for about a month, so I probably know a little bit too much about our guest. I hope he doesn't get scared, but I, I love I love what he is. His career has been epic, decades of incredible talent that he shared with the public. How are you, and why don't you introduce our guest? I'm doing great, Jim. And yes, this is an exciting moment for me because anyone who knows me knows I am a huge Happy Days fan. I was before and I still am. Whatever I can catch it on TV, I still watch it. And I'm very excited to welcome our very special guest, actor, director, and singer, Don Most. Don, welcome to the forum. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to be with both of you. Thank you for having me. I have, as I probably have more uh, questions from people online that have DM me about you. So we've got some really good ones that I, one of them I could not answer. Uh, but Don, <laughs> you've had such an amazing career. Why don't you start? And I want you to, an, I don't know the, the answer to that. I could have sworn I saw you on a MASH episode. No, you know, it's funny. Somebody else brought that up. And, and on my IMDb, you know, the Internet Movie Database, which lists all your credits of TV and film, and they even have me down as like a patient or something in, in a hospital bed in, in MASH. And somebody else thought it was me, but it, that was not. I never did uh, an episode of MASH. Thank you, Don. You just won me twenty dollars. So, All right. <laughs> oh, Mark, <good>. sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad you were on the winning end of that. Oh, you're already making me money, Don. That's fantastic. Um, uh, what was your first appearance uh, on any sort of medium? I know you did some stage. You you had. Let's go back because I also have a question. 
was the passion of performing so high because you were a smart guy. You went to Lehigh. I think you went to three years of Lehigh. Right. And you actually went and right away you got into happy days fairly quickly. What was your transition from actually being a guy that's a year away from graduating uh, from a great <laughs> university to going into the crazy world of Hollywood? Well, it goes, it goes back to, um, I guess the real beginning when I was nine years old and I saw the movie, the Jolson story, which was a biopic oh. about the great Al Jolson. And I was nine years old and I was floored by the movie. And it was on something called million dollar movie back then in New York, where they would show, uh, it, it, uh, one movie during the entire week and they would repeat it. So at like seven o'clock and 10 o'clock every night and then four times Saturday and four times Sunday. So when I watched it, somebody told me to watch it, and I did, and I was like, it just killed, it just, I can't, it was. It had a profound impact. I loved uh, something about Jolson and the music, and uh, so it just hit something in me deep, and then I watched it like, you know, literally 14 times that week, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. um, and then I knew that I wanted to do something, you know, and I, at first it was singing. I, I thought it was the singing, and um I finally, by the time I was 13, my parents realized I was really wanting to pursue this. And they got me, they found a school in Manhattan because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, went to this school run by uh, an old vaudevillian guy named Charlie Lowe. And they taught singing and dancing and acting. And, um, and I was, so I got in there. And after about a year, they, I got picked to be part of their professional troupe that they, they they booked a, a kind of like a, some of their best students and, and put them in a nightclub act. And I performed one summer in the Catskill Mountains and all the hotels and all the nightclubs up there when I was 14, 15 years old, right around then. So, um, but then I switched my focus after that summer and, and got into a, a more serious acting class, a workshop and, um, and in New York and and then through that, uh, through the woman who ran the who was teaching, uh, she introduced me to a manager, and then and then I started going out on auditions, you know, and she, they got me out. Uh, and at the beginning, because I had the red hair and all that, they were able to get me on commercial auditions a lot, and I started getting those, and I wound up doing a lot of TV commercials, a, a bunch of big national ones, which was great, and then a couple of small TV things in New York, but nothing, you know, like very small little spots. And then, um, but, and then I was going to Lehigh, you know, at the same time. And I was going, and I was doing theater as much as I could there. And although I was majoring initially in engineering and then business, because my parents wanted me to have something solid mm -hmm. to fall back on if, if the acting thing didn't work out. So um, that's why, I, you know, that leads up to the point where you, where you brought up and um i i decided after my junior year to go out to california for the summer because i was getting i was you know i was doing well with commercials but they they weren't shooting a lot of television and film in new york at the time and theater i was getting up on a few auditions and i came close on a couple of broadway shows but i didn't land you know I didn't quite land them and and i i wanted to be up for more tv and film so I went out there for the summer to see what would happen. And, and I had some referrals to meet agents and all that. And I got lucky and 
had an agent wanted to sign me right away, a good agent. And um, cause I, cause, cause they knew some of the stuff I'd been doing in New York and, and, um, and then I, I landed a part that summer on a first one I got was um, a show called room Two Twenty Two, and, yeah. uh, and it was, on oh, a, yeah. it was on ABC and, it was a high school kind of setting. So I got a guest role on that. And then, um, but then I went back home and I was going to go finish my senior year. And it's a whole long story, but my manager at the time she called, she, she, uh, spoke to me and said, you know, your agent thinks that you could really do well. You've got some momentum. You should, uh, think about taking six months off and, 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 staying in Los Angeles now that I was back in New York. And, sure. uh, but I, I d- decided that's what I was going to do. And, and, you know, my parents weren't thrilled, but um, you know, because I'd been doing all these commercials, I was able to s- sort of say, well, I'll, you know, I finance, I'll finance my trip and everything. So then I, I just literally days later flew back and didn't go back to Lehigh for the senior year. And then um and then I got a part in a show called Emergency. I got a guest role mm-hmm. in that. And, and then nothing for a while, you know. Um, and the Emergency was a dramatic part. And then I, I did a police story as well, which was a dramatic part, very dramatic. I played like a psycho bomber. And then, <laughs> and oh, then, wow. yeah. And then, um, you know, but then nothing for a while. And I was, oh, I made a big mistake. But then um, I got the audition, you know, for Happy Days and, and they called me back and then I had to go back again for a screen test. And, and uh, you know, then it happened very quickly at that point from that point forward. Yeah. You had uh, an emergency for younger fans, emergency room two twenty two, and police story were big shows at that time. They were very yeah. popular, dramatic. My parents loved emergency and they were very popular shows at the time, a little before our time, but it, it was very popular and very, very uh, well known. So yeah. you, you were, you were on some great shows. Now was that another question we had from fans was there's I think it was in your IMDb that you were supposed to do the very last episode of 222. And um, what, what was that? Did you, did it never aired? Did it actually air? Uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the whole uh, sequence of events there, but um, I think the episode, maybe the episode I did, I, I think it did air. I think so. But what happened was when, when I got cast, they were having contractual problems with one of their regulars and they, they cast me and thought that if they didn't work it out, that I was going to be, I was told that I could become a regular. They, you know, they were looking at me in that capacity, but then they wound up negotiating their deal with that actor so that he came back and the regular on the show. So maybe it had something to do with that, that you read or somebody. Yeah, that, had a that's probably a, you know, before we go, we go on, I just had to ask if the, because I'm a huge Andy Griffith fan and you, I thought you and Jack Dodson were just <laughs> an absolute riot. Was he as good a guy as, and fun a guy as he seemed to be in the episodes? Well, he, he was a, great guy a super guy um he and he was very very soft spoken kind of quiet you know so that was put you know he did a great job of of bringing that comedic side to the character of of ralph's dad you know and like father like son oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. but uh, he was great he was great to work with he was a super nice guy 
so what you're t- so like you were saying when you went on to happy days and obviously we got questions on happy days before we go on to the to your rest of your huge career because happy days in reality is is uh, a small part of your career because you've been going for a long time but when you did happy days at the start did it did you realize what a social iconic show this would be i don't think you know anybody could have predicted what the the immense uh you know, success and popularity that it wound up having. But I did feel, I remember when we were shooting the pilot and, you know, and I'd met all the, all the whole cast and, and was watching all the scenes being shot, you know, meeting Ron, of course, who, who uh, he was already a star. And then, and then Henry and Anson and, and Tom Bosley, who I knew because he had won the Tony on Broadway for Fiorello. And, um, and he'd done movies and everything. So I was so excited when I met everybody and then watching them work together and just picking up on the energy. I, I remembered calling my parents back in Brooklyn one night during that week. And I said, you know, I, I feel really good about this. You know, I think this is gonna, you know, the first thing is, is it going to sell? Like you make a pilot, but they make a lot of pilots and the vast majority of them don't, don't get on the air. And so I was like saying, I think this is, this is something, something's going on here. I feel really good. I think this is going to make it, you know, but m- meaning like it make it to the air and maybe could do pretty well, you know, but uh, could not have envisioned the degree that it, that it eventually took off, you know, that, that nobody I think could imagine that. Did they give you a lot of, because uh, Gary Marshall and Jerry Paris, such geniuses. Oh, yes. Great talents. Oh, my uh, God, yes. Uh, amazing talents they were. Did they give you a lot of leeway in your character? Or was it pretty regimen? Uh, no, they did give us leeway. And especially, you know, in the first two years, we were shooting it uh, one camera, like a movie, not in front of an audience. Yeah. So, so I didn't see Gary a lot during those the first two years, even though he was very, you know, involved in terms of being in charge of the writers and the scripts and all that. But, but we were shooting every day. So the person I had the most contact with besides the cast was Jerry Paris, the director who, as you said, was brilliant. And, and uh, I was a fan of the old Dick Van Dyke show, which he was uh, the director on and played the next door neighbor. So, um, and Jerry and I clicked really uh, well, Jerry clicked with everybody, but we, we had a really great relationship and I would, I would constantly be coming cause my part was pretty small in the beginning. So I was constantly thinking of things of, you know, things that were not necessarily in the script, but that I'd get ideas and, and he loved it. You know, yeah. he, he would love the ideas that I'd bring and then that would stimulate him so that my idea would then he would get an idea and then all of a sudden I'd get another one. And then we, and we would just start shoot, you know, we would just add it in and the, they, the writers started loving, you know, everyone loved what we were doing and they started getting ideas from what we were doing to write along in, in that direction. So it kind of helped the character evolve and by having that leeway. And then, and then Gary, I eventually got to work a lot more with when we were doing it in front of an audience because then we had note sessions with all the writers and producers and, and there was great collaboration and interaction um, it, it, with, with cast and writers and producers. Now, Tom and Marion Ross, uh, they, they just seemed like the, the salt of the earth. Were they as fun to work with as it looked like? Absolutely. It would just, it, I mean, it sounds cliche and I'm saying how great everyone is, but 
they we were like a family you know it it really d- developed into that and 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 tom was you know he was he almost became like a little bit of a father figure to us and he was just so so great to work with um not only in front of the camera but you know behind the camera and and marion was was and still is i mean she's she's 91 and i just saw her last week and she's doing amazingly well looks great um just some of the you know i looked at them like family like she was my aunt and he was my uncle you know i mean that's that's the way it became now i loved your interaction with anson williams i thought that was kind of what got you guys over into get being major players in the show you guys had such a chemistry and such a i loved when you guys would go after each other and it was just kind of the stuck uh, in the middle yeah i was stuck in the middle like what the heck i think you're both boneheads but oh it was just such a thing did you was that something that developed or did you and anson just kind of kick hit it off right away and you guys knew you had something special no yeah i think that developed more and more as because you know the show went through some changes where um you know, Fonzie was just a, a supporting character and I was a supporting character. And and so it took a little while where it started uh, transitioning into where I was becoming, you know, one of the regular gang, one of their better friends. And then Fonzie's character started coming in more and more so that, and then when, when, when Henry's kept Fonzie, uh, you know, took off so in such a huge way that then he became almost like, he and Ron were like the stars of the show. So it sort of then naturally developed into where then Potsy and I had more to do with each other, you know, it just sort of evolved in that way. And, but then we did, you know, we did have a great chemistry together and still do. Um, you know, Anson's one of my best friends in, in the world still. And, uh, and we're probably even tighter now than we were then. And we do things together sometimes. And, uh, sometimes live, uh, you know, different personal uh, speaking engagements and even some kind of other shows. And and people just, you know, they go, God, you guys have such great chemistry. And, and, and you know, some of it developed. Some of that developed from the years of working together. But it also something to do, you know, with the way we are, just the two people. And it just happens naturally. And we still, and we still got it. I still, yeah. we still got it. <laughs> that I love line. that phrase. I love that phrase. I still got it. I still got it. I know. And when I hear people using it, you know, on TV or yeah. whatever, it's like, it's, it's surreal to me because that wasn't a phrase, you know, back in 1975 or 76 when I started doing it. And, and I have to give credit to where it's due. I, I pretty, I borrowed it. I let's say from Jerry Paris because Jerry, he was, you know, I wasn't like Ralph at all. You know, I alluded to the first few parts I got, emergencies, police story. They were, I was looking to do dramatic work much more than comedy. But then when I landed the show and then I became known for it, then that's how people, you know, I associated me more with comedy. But I was not like Ralph. And I was, when I was in high school, I was shy. I was quiet. My friends were the comedians, you know, and I knew people like that. So it was fun for me as an actor to play that, to play somebody other than myself. But Jerry was kind of, he was that kind of guy where he loved to crack people up and score with jokes. And, and when, when he would score, if we were hanging or whatever behind this, uh, on the set or in between, 
he would crack a joke. And if we, you know, if we, we all laughed, he would use that. He would go, I still got it, you know, or I still got it, whatever. And, and then, so one day I, I was, I had a scene in Arnold's and um, it was in front of an audience and Ralph was going to crack some joke or something. And I got in my head, I said, I got to, I got to use that line. And, um, and I didn't tell anybody except I think Ron. And I said, be ready because it would affect his cue or whatever. I said, I'm going to say something that's not in the script right after. And so I said, just be ready. So I did it, you know, I did the joke and then I used the line and everyone, you know, Jerry cracked up and everyone in the cast cracked up, cracked up. And the audience who didn't really know the story, they still laughed because it just seemed fun. To them. So that was how it started. And then the writers started putting it in for me, you know, in all kinds of situations. So, um, that was uh, that was the origin of uh, I still got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you about that because you always got such a great reaction and there was always an applause and it was yeah. like the audience was waiting yeah. for you to say that and it became such a huge thing on the show. And another thing I wanted to ask you about another big part of the show was music. Everybody, yeah. you guys were in a band. Every, even the Fonzie sang at one point. Everybody was singing. You had Leather Tuscadero. And right. music was such a huge thing. I know that you also put out an album in the 70s, and you even had a song that hit the Billboard Hot 100. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your music career? Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, when I was 15, I was singing in this nightclub act. And that was why I say my first love was really, the, I mean, I was singing um, up until about 16. And the music that I loved back then when I was doing it was, you know, the great, what we call the great American songbook now. Um, back then, you know, they were known as standards. They still are, I guess. And, uh, and I loved the, the jazz type of, uh, you know, the jazz standards. So, then when um, I was on the Happy Days and there was, there were people approaching me at times, um, I, uh, to do something with the music and and I had an opportunity to record because of the success of the show. So, but they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't want they didn't want me to do the kind of music that I loved because back then in the seventies and early eighties, whatever the that music was looked upon as sort of like your parents music or grandparents music but I love you know I loved mm -hmm. it now years later not to you know it started changing when with you know with Harry Connick and Tony Bennett doing it and and Diana Krall and Natalie Cole and bringing back and even Rod Stewart doing standards you know so yeah so now it's it's a whole different time but back then uh it, it they didn't want me to do that kind of music so I did an album uh that was more in the sort of pop rock vein and it's not, you know, it's, it wasn't really uh, in my wheelhouse or, I mean, it, it came up well, you know, it came up pretty well, but it's, it wasn't uh, my passion, you know? So now mm -hmm. years later, I, uh, five years ago, I decided I had to, if I was ever going to do that music, now is the time. And, and I started putting an act together and, and, and started getting booked in some of the jazz clubs in LA and New York. And, and it's, it was received really well and and then it led to me doing a another album all these years later but this time it was a stuff that i love you know it's called the most mostly swinging and it's with a great big 17 piece band of, of um, top la jazz studio musicians and great producer um named willie mario and 
uh, arranger and trumpet player and and all the kind of songs that I always you know would dream about doing and so I'm excited about that being out there and so so the and doing the music on happy days you know of course we did sort of 50s uh, whenever we did something yeah. on the show that was a 50 style of, of music and and I liked some of that music too so that was fun but I you know it was Potsy that got to do the lion's share of the singing um and that was just uh, it happened it was happenstance with um he he approached Gary with the idea of forming a band and and, it, and once that got established Gary wanted to keep it that way and and um you know like he didn't want to he thought well your image is more the comedian and he didn't want me to all of a sudden to be singing too much you know so, yeah. so i didn't get to do it then but but I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of doing it now as, as well as the, the still doing a lot of acting and um trying i've directed several feature films uh independent films as well and have some projects i'm trying to get going in in that arena again so um just love juggling all of it, all of these different mediums. Now, Don, also you did a question from another of our listeners was you did a 1970, gosh, I'm asking all these crazy questions. I feel like uh, one of those stalker people at the uh, Comic-Con, but uh, 1975 Huck Finn film, you had yeah. some great people. You did that with Ron and the two people that they said, did you get to meet Antonio Fargus and Merle Haggard? Um, well, yes, Antonio, definitely, because I had scenes with him and, um, and got to know Antonio pretty well. He was a great guy, great guy. And um, Merle, I was, I might have gotten to meet Tim to shake hands, to say hello, and maybe watched a scene he was in, and that was about it. I didn't have too much interaction, but I did get to meet him, which was cool. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Yeah, and Antonio Fargus, who then, you know, of course, went on to be Huggy Bear in, um, in Starsky and Hutch. Um, and I actually saw Antonio a couple of years ago somewhere recently. It was nice to see him again. Oh, that's good. Now, you talked about with your show, what were a couple of your, your episodes that you really, that were kind of over the top, some of your favorites? Well, I'm certainly a little partial towards the ones that revolved more around my character because, uh, you know, Gary was great where he, he would make sure that we all had some episodes each year that, that featured us. Um, and so one that really stands out for me, it was, the, it was in the third, third season, although there's so many episodes that I thought were, you know, really funny and good. The, in the third season, it was the first time that there was an episode that where Ralph was central to the storyline as opposed to, you know, a supporting character. And um, it was the one, so I dove into it, you know, f full board, and I was excited about it very much. Uh, it was the episode where, where somebody had totally demolished Fonzie's motorcycle and he was out to get the guy who did it because it was completely demolished. It turns out that I had yep. ac accidentally yep. 
backed into it and then I panicked and I went back and forth and, you know, and I just destroyed it. And, and then I knew I thought my life was over and I was like going to leave town. I told Richie, I'm, I'm heading West, you know, yep. <laughs> it was a really uh, well-written episode. And um, so that's one of my favorites. Um, but you know, there's, there's so many others that were good. The, the, the one where we pretended to, because we wanted to meet girls at this, at this, um, vacation place oh yeah i just watched that <laughs> and, yeah and we couldn't be ourselves because we figured that you know they'd never go for high school guys so we pretended we had to pretend to be some so we picked tunisian camel jockeys to be <laughs> yeah. it was a very funny episode um, but there's there's so many great ones you know now when ron decided to, to leave the show what was your feelings about it was your hopes that it would just continue uh, as usual obviously with such a talent such a part in person it's not going to do that but what were your feelings at the time when ron first when you first found out ron was leaving well, it turns out that both Ron and I left the same exact time. I, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. We both, what happened was um, our contracts were up and, um, and you know, he, he was really focusing, wanted to focus on directing. And, and um, so that was the main impetus for him deciding not to re- renew. Um, and I, at this, uh, my contract was up too. And uh I felt like, you know, I said I was not like this character and I'd been playing it for seven years and, and I, I wanted to, I knew I could be typecast and, and I probably was already, um, but I, I was only 27 and I felt like, you know, I need to, I need to move on and, and try to, 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 to do things other than just this character in, in this show. And I felt seven years was, was um, enough. I, I actually offered them, I, I, at the last, you know, I said to them, you know what, I'll come back and do, they were offering me a, a really nice raise to come back now that it was a whole new contract and it was a, a very substantial raise. And I, I told my agents, I said, here, tell them I'll come back and do the show again with no raise. You could, you could keep, keep it. I'll, I'll do it without even the raise. I'll come back. If you guarantee me a part in like an ABC TV movie or or a supporting role at a feature film at Paramount Studios that which was the it was a part Paramount show too because I felt I needed a chance to this would be great to to show that I'm not just this character which I wasn't to begin with and they weren't willing to do that so um then I said okay then you know I have to move on but it, you know it's kind of hard to believe that they when they didn't back then it was hard to believe. And when I look back, it's still kind of hard to believe that they, they weren't willing to do that given. Well, anyway, I don't want to get into too much of this, but <laughs> that's, that's how I, I wound up uh, uh, leaving the show at the same time as Ron did. Now at that time, also when you did leave, when you're such an iconic person in a show like that, what was your first move? Did, were you afraid? Were, do you, were you very confident? You're a young guy. What was your what was your kind of thoughts when you did leave Happy Days? Did you kind of want to take the world on, or or how, or did you want to take a break? What what happened? Oh no, I definitely wanted to take take on a lot more, and I you know I was had a lot of confidence, and um, I was only 27. I I I spent a lot. I went to New York a lot, and and um, I was uh, looking to do some theater, and and 
I came, it was a crazy period. I had uh, these close calls on like four or five Broadway shows. And it, one of these days I'll write about it in a book because um, I was so close on like literally four or five different roles. And, and for crazy reasons, each one of them looked like I was going to get each one. And then I wound up not. And um, so that was tough because I thought, okay, th- th- this will help me break away from yeah. from from the character you know i and i told my agents at the time i didn't want to do a, a tv series at that for a while because i i just wanted to try to do theater and film you know but it was very hard because back then um if you were on a television series it was like uh you were sort of a second class citizen to the film actors it's not like today where people go back and forth between tv and film back then it was it was not done very much, especially from a sitcom, almost uh, almost unheard of. But uh, you know, I was uh, young, and I was, I'm that's what I want to do: film and TV. I mean, uh, film and theater. So it it was crazy because you know I went like six months after leaving the show. I couldn't even get an audition for a movie. You know, they wouldn't even let me come in and 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 do the audition. Yeah. So so it, it was kind of like hitting a brick wall and. And it was tough. It was, there were some tough periods, but um, I just kept plugging away and doing, um, I did some theater and then, then eventually said, okay, you know, um, let's look at some of the television opportunities, you know, and started doing TV again and, and um, just kept pecking away and, and, and building more and more of a body work, I suppose, and experience and, and growing. Now, what's so much fun, Don, is to look at your career. You are so busy, and over the years, you've reestablished yourself, and it has just been an amazing thing. You've been doing singing, acting, directing. What are what is the you you talked about music? What what is your kind of favorite thing to do out of all the things uh, that you're doing now? And then we're going to talk about some of the things that you've been doing of recent. Yeah. You know, it's so hard for me to pick that. I mean, people ask me that, you know, well, do you prefer singing to the acting or acting to directing? And it's like, wow, it's so hard to, um, because when I'm doing them, when I'm doing a project that I really love, you know, if it's like in the case of the music, it's, it's hard to compare because I've, I've put together the show. I've picked out the music. I'm, you know, helping get the arrangements the way I want them, the musicians that I want, everything. So that, yeah, it's 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 great. I love it. Now, acting, you might get a part where it's a pretty good part, but you know, you it's not like the best part you ever got or it's and you're not in control. You know, you're just acting it or somebody else is directing it and they're editing it and all that. So, it's 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 not apples to apples in some ways. So, but I I guess but when I, like when I'm doing a acting in a, a a project where I love the script and I love the part and I love the people I'm working with, then it's equally that, you know, to me, it's, it's equally as exciting and I get as high as that as I do from the singing. And, and directing is a little different because it's not as visceral. You know, um, it's almost like more like you're the manager of the baseball team. So you don't get the high of being up there at the plate hitting the ball. You know, you don't get that visceral high because you're the manager. The director, it's kind of that way, too. But I love I love the, the all the creative aspects of directing, too. But um, I guess in terms of a real high, I'd say it's, it's the singing and the acting. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> you just did a month long, I believe it was, 
performance for a play that you were doing in Canada. Boy, that must have been really grueling. And it seemed like the people that talked about it online really enjoyed it. So the feedback was great. How was that experience for you? Yeah, the play that I just did, I think you're referring to is a play called Art. Um, And um, it's a great play with just three characters, a tremendous amount of dialogue. Um, It was originally done on Broadway about 20 years ago and actually won the Tony as the best play. Um, And I loved it. I I was doing it up in Canada, up in Ontario, Canada. And we, we did do seven, eight performances a week, but, but we didn't do every night. We, we had some days where we had two or three days where we had two performances each day. So that that's a little tough. That was a little tough, but I, but I loved the play so much that I, I looked forward to it. I I couldn't wait to to get on stage. So um, you know, if you're lucky enough to be in production that you love and the people, then and then you know you it's it's a high for me. I just love it. Don, why don't you talk about some of the musical things that you've been doing in your career right now and some of the exciting projects that you have upcoming. Yeah, and then I also uh, have a couple of film film projects I'll, I'd like to mention. But uh, regarding the music, um, yeah, I'm doing a show. I'm going to be back in New York City. Back, where, you know, like I said, I came, I grew up in Brooklyn, but I'll be in Manhattan uh, at this really nice cabaret. It's called the Beach Cafe Cabaret uh, on the Upper East Side, and I'll be doing a show there on December 13th and December 14th, uh, Friday and Saturday night. And so it's around Christmas time, so there'll definitely be some uh, some Christmas songs uh, integrated into the show. And um, it's a really intimate little club. I won't be doing it with the uh, big band. This will be a much smaller, uh, like a trio and maybe one horn. And uh, and I'll also have as a guest star uh, an old friend and actress, Linda Pearl, who actually was on Happy Days. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So she's going to be... Yeah. Get, we've, we're very longtime friends, and she's a great singer too. And she's gonna uh, get up and do, we'll do a couple of duets, and she'll do a song. So it, it should be a really, really nice uh, weekend or a Friday, Saturday night, the thirteenth and fourteenth of December. Again, it's called the the Beach Cafe uh, Cabaret. So that I'm looking forward to. And then um, I I did a movie um, with this great company in in Michigan. Uh, just before I went to do that play in Canada, uh, a movie called Lost Heart. And uh, I think that will be out in, in June of 2020. But the, but the same company I did a film last year with, which is now coming out in theaters, uh, I believe this month, uh, select theaters nationally. And it's on Amazon Prime right now, actually. And it's called uh, MB. Oh, great. Yeah, it's called MBF, uh, aka Man's Best Friend, um, but it's a it's a it might sound like a family type film, but it's a, actually a powerful drama uh, about a wounded vet, and I play a defense attorney. It's a really and dogs are involved. There's rescue dogs that are involved. That's why it's MBF, Man's Best Friend. Oh, great! Yeah, it's a really beautiful film. So um, I, I'm I'm waiting to find out the. The, the the theater release, but I, I think it's coming up very soon. But it is on Amazon Prime as well. Florence, I talked about this movie, and I definitely am going to check it out this week. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, you should. Definitely. And Don, just to show that you still got it, um, why don't you talk about the upcoming comedy, Lost Heart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really, I really love the script. Um, 
uh, DJ Perry wrote it, and he also wrote MBF. And um, it's it's I play a, a small town minister in it, um, so it's a different again a very different character. Um, Victoria Jackson is in it. I remember from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's she, great. She, she's great, and she was great to work with. And, and the rest of the cast, uh, you know, really uh, so perfectly right for their roles and excellent talent. So um, I can't wait to uh, to see that one, too. I saw MBF. Uh, I went to the uh, premiere screening, and, and it, it came out great. The people that were at the theater loved it. So, so um, yeah, I'm hoping to just, you know, keep – doing more films and maybe more TV and, and, um, and the, and the music for sure. Um, I'm going to actually be recording again fairly soon and we'll see what happens, but mostly swinging is, is, uh, you know, you can find that CD out on Amazon and iTunes and, um, it's, it's, it's a good CD if I do say so. Oh, cool. What was it like to work with so many talented people and how did you kind of soak up that energy and their knowledge and their talent while you were on the show? Yeah, well, that's what uh, I tell the story sometimes, like in, in the first season when I mentioned that we were shooting like a movie, one camera, not, you know, in front of an audience. So you'd be shooting all day and scenes were out of order and you might be working one day, but not the next or one scene in the morning and another scene in the afternoon. But so I, I was so excited and, and, and wanted to watch everybody, you know, and Tom, Tom Bosley and, and Ron. And so I would be hanging around, even though I'd be maybe done for the day. And I, I remembered, you know, sitting um, off the set and watching Tom and Marion in, in one of their scenes. I think Ron was in it. And, and Tom would look over and say, what are you doing? You're done for the day. Go home. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't want to go home. I'm, 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 I'm too busy watching everybody and, you know, soaking it all in. And like you said, I mean, the talent and uh, it was crazy not to want, want to be part of it. And I mean, not be part of it, but just absorb and witness it as much as possible. I was 20 years old, you know, when I first started on that show. So um, yes, uh, Great, great talent. And, and as I alluded to earlier, also when we started doing it with an audience and then having all these great note sessions with the writers and producers, I learned a lot from those sessions. You know, Gary would be at all of those and, and great writers. And um, that was a tremendous learning experience for me as well. When the show switched to a live audience, was it something that was a shock to you or due to your experience on the stage, was it just kind of, kind of a natural transition? No, the, uh, I, that came very easily to me because um, what all the, the, when I went to the, uh, the different workshops in New York, when I was getting more serious about acting, they were very stage oriented. uh, Those classes, you know, we were doing all, scenes from plays and and then sometimes we'd perform them and on stage so so my earliest uh my earliest uh experience was more um on stage and then when i started getting commercials and other stuff then i started having to adapt to the film to the film language you know to the film genre so i had to adapt to that more than than going to back to the stage that that was my my first uh 
introduction. And during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, that doesn't go on now is that a lot of the stars are on, are guest stars on other shows. You were on Love Boat several times, and one listener asked, what was your experience on that, and was it fun for you? Um, I did, especially um, out of the three different times I appeared there, two of them were on actual cruises. So, um, so the first one was this Alaskan cruise and it was great. I loved it. And, um, and, and that particular storyline, it was, uh, I liked for my, the character I was playing and I had a really nice scene, um, with the character, Julie, you know, uh, Lauren, Lauren Tweez and, um, I had a really nice uh, scene with her and so, and she was great to work with. And, and then the second one I did was, a. It was a cruise that went through the Panama Canal. So, I mean, you know, that was, that was really cool. What's not to like? And, and that was a fun episode. And um, I played uh, opposite Charlene Tilton in that. And she was really nice to work with mm-hmm. and, and lovely. And um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, and the people, the people were great, you know, so I, I had a good time on it. An interesting question from a listener, Greg, says, what was the episode that you did the most improvisation? Which episode of Happy Days where I had the most improv? Um, wow, I, that's a tough one because, you know, I know I did a lot of, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't so much improvise like on the spot because, we, but we had to come up with ideas, you know, that we figured that we could put in because once you're shooting, you know, you're not, really improvising too much maybe a little bit um uh, you know that's a prob- probably probably the one that i mentioned that tunisian camel jockey jockey one i came up with a lot of stuff that that wasn't in the script you know so so um so that maybe that one i'd say be it's definitely in the top three one of the most popular and unique things that happy days is remembered for is their softball team how did that come about? And that must have been a thrill for you to play in such an environment as Major League Baseball stadiums before games with great crowds out there greeting you. It must have been a fun experience. It definitely was more fun than it even looked. I mean, it was a, it was a real, um, you know, sort of fantasy for me. I, you know, I was a huge baseball fan growing up and New York Yankee fan. And, and then all of a sudden to be able to play in these major league stadiums before the regular game and, and then go out there in the field and, you know, shag flies at bat, during batting practice that the pro the major league players are doing, you know, and I'm, I'm out there with the, with the regular players shagging flies and, and, um, and even taking batting practice once in a while and then playing on that field. It was amazing. Uh, what, what happened was um, Ron and I were big, uh, you know, we played a lot of ball and we were in an entertainment league and we had gotten Henry into it as well. Uh, Henry became a pitcher and Ron. So we played softball in an entertainment league. And I think Gary found out about this and Gary loved sports and softball. And, and then it, it was his idea to form a team, you know, because we had all these ball players and, and he loved it. And he said, why don't we form a team? And then I, I don't know if it sort of then evolved into, well, you know, we could play charity games and, and then, we were so big that they were able to line it up that we could play, you know, whether it be in Dodger stadium or Wrigley field in Chicago or Shea stadium in New York and County stadium, which was where Milwaukee and the show was supposed to take place in Milwaukee. So we had like 40,000 people 
for our game before, you know, be, be, way before the major leagues players came on, there were like 40,000 people. So, so um, yeah, it was, it was, it was surreal, but um, like I said, almost like a dream. It was, uh, I mean, a fantasy. Along with an amazing cast, Happy Days had a lot of guest stars that were also great talents. Did you guys know right away that Robin Williams was the real deal and he was headed for stardom? Yeah, yeah, you, we did because, I mean, we'd never seen it. You know, what I remember walking in to the set the day that, um, I guess it was his first day, and, and I, my call was later. So I, when I got there, um, there was this electricity in the, in the soundstage. I was like, you could feel all this. I don't know what was going on. And some people came up to me and go, Oh, where do you see this guy? Where do you see this guy? You know? And then I started watching the rehearsals and, and it was like, Oh my God, you know, here's somebody that was playing somebody from another planet. And I'm looking at him going, I think this guy is from another planet. I mean, because we couldn't, you know, he was doing things that were just, you know, coming to him and he was bringing all this other stuff to the role and making these, you know, doing these sounds and, it was, it was, we, we were like all, you know, pinching each other going, well, where'd they find this guy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Don, my parents are no longer with us, but I just wanted to thank you and the cast of Happy Days for creating such an iconic and memorable show. Jerry Paris, Gary Marshall, such talents that you guys had. And you, you created a, an iconic and cultural phenomena that, touches lives even today every time I watch the show I think of my family and I think really warm thoughts and I just wanted to thank you uh, for all that you did and for all the happiness that you brought into the world yeah a part of America oh oh thank oh thank you so thank you you so much and that that I is one of the things I feel best about because other when I go around people tell me similar things to what you just relate to me and that's it's so gratifying and rewarding, and I do feel uh, very, uh, you know, blessed and fortunate that I was able to be part of that. Uh, it's just uh, sometimes hard to even grasp, you know, but thank you. Thank you. Well, we absolutely loved having you on the show today. Like Jim said, we had so many people reaching out to us. They were so excited that we were having you and had lots of questions. So thank you for answering all the fans' questions. And thank you so much for being a part of our show. And definitely um, we will be promoting everything that you're doing now because a lot of people want to know what you're up to now. So, again, thank you so much for being on the forum with us. Well, thank you, Florence. Thank you, Jim. I really uh, appreciate you having me, and I enjoyed talking to both of you. Thank you.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.